0: Hello, I'm Zev Newerth and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, I think you're going to find this interview immensely interesting we'll be introduced to a new approach and solution to one of the saddest situations of our era, and that is the issue of social isolation and loneliness. The amazing company that our guest has created is focused on alleviating social isolation and loneliness in the elderly, but also brilliantly addresses it for college-age students as well. And you're going to hear more about that. Our guest is Andrew Parker, and his company is called Papa, that is P-A-P-A, This is one of those entrepreneurial adventures that is so simple and so elegant that it makes you say, why didn't I think of that? I really enjoyed speaking to Andrew, and I can't wait to share this interview with you. But before we get to this week's interview, a quick message. If you haven't already done so, I am inviting you to subscribe to my podcast newsletter. It comes out every couple of weeks, and it includes a detailed description of the podcast episode of the week news about upcoming guests, and updates on my ongoing work to reframe healthcare. To subscribe, go to my website, www.reframehealthcare.org, and then click on the podcast page. There's going to be a pop-up box that will appear, and just enter your email address in that pop-up box. Hit subscribe, and it's that simple. So let's talk about this interview. Andrew Parker is the founder and CEO of Papa. He started Papa to support his own grandfather, whom he called Papa. Andrew has now led Papa to raise over $13 million in capital and has expanded the service nationwide to support elderly folks uh, who are part of health plans, uh, to support employers and health systems. Prior to Papa, Andrew was an early employee at MD Live, which is one of the nation's largest telehealth companies where he ran health system sales and product to bring that solution to over 30 million Americans. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview which I recently conducted with Andrew Parker, the CEO and founder of Papa. So Andrew, uh, just wanna welcome you to Creating New Healthcare. And uh, I know you've had a busy day so far, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. It's definitely been a a busy day, but a great day and a, a great year so far.
0: Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Could you just give us all a, a thumbnail sketch of what PAPA is? What do you do?
1: Sure. PAPA is a platform that connects older adults and their families to college students for companionship, assistance, and transportation. And we historically went by grandkids on demand, but have expanded services beyond just directly focused on older adults, though that is a big focus of ours still, uh, to family on demand to support family caregivers, older adults, as well as uh, your Medicaid
0: members. What's your background? I mean, what led you to, to think about this, to realize there was a need out there to start it all?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I originally started the company not as a business, but as a way to support my grandfather, uh, who was my papa, hence the name of the company. He needed assistance. He was lonely and isolated. He did not have a car and wasn't able to drive, but he didn't need bathing and toileting. So, the traditional services didn't make a lot of sense for him. And so, I just thought with my family, maybe it'd be fun to rather than send a traditional home care professional uh to send a college student someone maybe a nursing student or a pre-med and see a papa like that and turns out he not only liked it he loved it which was <laughs> interesting to say the least this uh, man was awesome but didn't really love new things too much and the fact that it just broke down all the barriers and right away he was able to build a, bo- a bond with this you know, younger adult uh really seemed like magic to me and so i tested the concept that with some of the friends family members other people in the area. And it turns out they had a very similar reaction. And so, with that, I left my previous job, uh, which was running health system sales and strategy uh, and product for a large telehealth company called MD Live. And so, I've come from a healthcare background for the past 10 years. And now, about two and a half years ago, I left uh, MD Live to focus on Papa full time. And it's been a, a good run so far.
0: Wow. Now, I'm just curious your background. Do you think that because of your background with MD Live that you were taking concepts from that world and that's what kind of sparked it with you or just kind of wonder what you took from that experience?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I started to understand how to build a platform of a new innovative way to deliver services in healthcare um, through a, you know, a technology platform. So rather than you know, someone doing a doctor visit, going to urgent care, going to the they can now virtually visit a doctor, I kind of took that same lens and put it onto, you know, in-home care support, uh, and then kind of added a layer of a whole new category of provider type. So prior to this, the only services available is, you know, home care at the kind of bottom rung. Um, And now we've created this concept of of pre-care. So for sure, my background has helped me to think about, you know, really everything I do in, in my life about, you know, how do we build a company around this concept because, you know, I came from an entrepreneurial background. My father is an entrepreneur. My grandfather, my papa was an entrepreneur. Actually, every male blood related to me, I recently realized uh, is an entrepreneur. Some own jewelry stores, some are doctors, and, you know, some own large healthcare companies. And so definitely this has always been in some degree, you know, part of my path. But I think the personal experience I had with my grandfather really led me to understand what's going on here. I don't think I fully understood uh, the shift in demographics. You know, when we started Papa, 10,000 people a day were turning 65 and only two and a half years later, that's compounded exponentially to 11,000 people a day. And just recognizing how big of an opportunity that is to you really just support people that need help. And so all of those things combined led me to uh, to where I am today.
0: That's really cool. I mean, that's remarkable to have that much entrepreneurial influence and mentorship around you. Guess this is an aside, but you know, how do you guys think versus the rest of us?
1: Yeah, I think more and more I'm realizing that there is a huge difference between you know, how I was brought up and kind of the things that I saw and also things I did. For example, I never played football in the backyard with my dad, um, not because he's not a great dad; he's an amazing dad. But we talked about you know business. When I was five years old, I remember learning the word "ibadah." I don't remember learning much about you know. Pro sports. <laughs> so for me, it's just been ingrained in my my life the whole time. I've never seen my dad have a normal job. I've never seen any of my family members have a normal jobs. So I think it just was how it was in my family. You're, you know, everyone is an entrepreneur, and I don't think that I necessarily optimized my life specifically around that. I just think that's how I was brought up, and it's somewhat uh, in my DNA, and definitely has a huge impact. I mean, for example, I went to dinner last night. It's my little brother who's 18 uh yesterday's birthday and it was a family dinner and uh probably 90 percent of the time we talked about business in some capacity not because you know we're not able to think about anything else but because that's what we like it's what our family likes talking about and i think it definitely has brought incredible value to me as it's just so ingrained in, in who i am and so for sure uh, the impact is quite clear
0: what is the problem you're trying to solve with Popeye? Uh, you know, the business problem, the social problem, the consumer problem. What What is it?
1: Sure. It's something a bunch of things, but I think the two primary issues is there's a lot of older adults and there's not enough people to care for them. So that's one. And the second thing is that loneliness is an epidemic. It's affecting people's health. It increases your chance of premature death. It increases your chance of Alzheimer's. It increases your chance of depression. It increases your chance of going to the e d It reduces your likelihood to take your regimented medication it really has a huge negative profound effect on someone 's health and You could kind of imagine why I just think about an eighty year old sitting on the couch uh, you know for for weeks at a time, maybe months, maybe years at a time with very little to no human interaction, and just what that could create in terms of negative effects on someone you know, beyond just how they feel and what they think about, but the health of of this individual itself. And uh, what we realized was that was true. And then I think now healthcare as a whole is realizing it's true. And so because of that, that's led, you know, organizations like the CMS Center for Medicare and Medicaid to allow for things like PAPA to be paid for as a Medicare benefit, which is primarily how how we're growing. Most of our business is uh, distributed through large health insurance companies, where this is actually free to the older adult and paid for by the health plan, and they don't pay for things just because they're nice to have or you know because they're warm and fuzzy. Though they do like that idea, but the fact that this actually improves healthcare outcomes and reduces overall costs and you know has all these other positive effects, um, you know, on one's life.
0: In terms of payment, is payment through like I can imagine through Medicare Advantage products, uh, where it could be part of the lump sum, but uh, do other Medicare products or insurance products pay for this service?
1: So this falls into Medicare Advantage currently.
0: Okay, and I imagine some of the other products, uh, the the newer products uh, also that are sort of Medicare light. What is it? The primary care first and direct contract or something like that. There are a couple of others. Have you explored those? I think they're still relatively new, but.
1: Yeah, so we're exploring most of those as well. We also look into, like, accountable care organizations uh, as well as supplemental, you know, Medicare supplemental benefits outside of Medicare Advantage. Uh, We also are looking and offering services through Medicaid, not only to help older adults but to help families. So, for example, if you're a mother, you know, who's pregnant, you know, preterm or, postpartum and need support to get to the doctor or once the baby's born, you know, some help around the house while you're caring for the baby. And these individuals are being impacted as well. The real major theme here is social determinants of health. And I'm sure you've heard of or talked about that quite a bit on your show. Um, You know, I think PAPA really solves for a lot of these issues across the board, which is loneliness, isolation, lack of transportation, food insecurity, a lot of which can either be supported by a Papa Pal, which is what we call our companions, or can be captured by the Papa Pal in our system, and then other services can be recommended. And so we become almost this ambassador for someone's health because we're able to build such a trusted bond between you know, older adults and younger adults.
0: And you said a moment ago, it's an epidemic. So offhand, do you have some numbers? I know increasingly there's more that's being written about this and recognized about it, but I'm just wondering if there are some numbers you have at hand
1: something like 50 percent of older adults recognize you know consider themselves lonely um it's actually interesting according to a recent Cygnus study older adults of course do but all ages do and in fact the group that considers themselves more lonely than older adults are actually college-age individuals so I don't think we recognize that at first but it is interesting that we end up connecting these two uh cohorts that are very distinct and different but are bringing value to these individuals you know from different perspectives you know one that's twenty something one that 's eighty something uh, there's a lot of data showing, for example, as I mentioned, some of the things that we have seen loneliness have negative impacts on you know if you 're lonely and isolated and you're an older adult you have a twenty nine percent increased chance of premature death. You have over two times the likelihood of alzheimer's over three times the likelihood of depression, and it also affects you know other things we've seen that by pairing a papa pal with an older adult we're able to You reduce emergency department visits. We're able to uh, reduce readmission. We're also able to have a positive impact on medication adherence. And so it's just this one, you know, kind of point in someone's life where they're just so lonely and isolated, there's a trickle down effect of everything else involved in that person.
0: You know, I think there is some proof in the pudding here in that I don't think that payers would be paying for this right now unless they had some certainty that there was some benefit to this. So they must have some numbers uh, demonstrating the efficacy. Are you are you aware of any of those?
1: Well, so there's a lot of data showing the negative impacts. There's not nearly as much data showing the positive impacts, mainly because I don't believe a organization or a platform or solution like Papa existed until recently, and of course until we created it. Uh, we are doing ourselves multiple you know academic-based studies around. If I'm a lonely, isolated older adult, and then now I have a pop-up, how what does that look like from all aspects? Whether that's reducing loneliness, which you know we show that we reduce loneliness scores, which we have a, an assessment that we take, you know, pre and post program as well as in the middle, uh, by over 20 percent, we reduce unhealthy days, which is a CDC term, by over 30 uh, percent. We reduce missed, you know, physician and doctor appointments. We also do things like drive certain objectives. If a member has to go to their annual wellness visit, doesn't know that that's important to them, doesn't know uh, that you know, they can schedule with the doctor, doesn't have a car to get to that appointment, and then we solve for all those problems, then you're closing a pretty significant gap in care, and you know, you're making someone happy, but you're getting them into the right situation with their healthcare. And so that's all the things we're doing up front, and on the back end, you know, actually proving, looking at claims data, that we've completed those tasks tasks in actuality, and then that we're lowering total cost of care.
0: Let's dive into how this actually works. So if I wanted to get this service uh, of Papa and get a Papa Pal for my father, let's say, uh, who's in his 80s, how would that work? And and what does it look like?
1: Yeah, so first of all, you can access us through a variety of means, joinpapa.com, through our 1-800 number or by downloading our, our mobile app uh, to request the Papa Pal. once you've created an account. You would, in this scenario, create an account for yourself and then you add your parent as the beneficiary, as the member. Uh, then you put in the request and it would send out a notice to the Papa Pals. Uh, the Papa Pals all have a mobile app that allows them to view and accept visits, as well as allows us to track and manage them and communicate with them and you know, offer certain objectives or tasks, whether that's driven by you as, as the adult child of the older adult, or driven by a health plan that may have some specific objectives or goals in mind. Um, but generally, it's, you know, either through a phone or, or through the app. If you're a health plan member, we have different processes, but generally the health plans are sending us yes eligibility of those that are able to access this benefit. And then our team actually, our care center, will reach out to that person Enroll them and set them up in the applicable program.
0: How does it work? I mean, does the is it sort of set up, you know, every day, certain number of hours, certain days? Uh, do I get one Papa Pal, or do I, you know, get whoever's available?
1: Sure. So, if you're a consumer, you set it up for as little as long as you want. Our minimum is one hour. So, if someone is with your parent for or you for ten minutes, it's one hour. If they're with you for an hour and ten minutes, it's an hour and ten minutes. Uh, we effectively charge an hourly rate. For health plans, generally speaking, they're developing a program, which is like an annual number of hours that are allotted to the member, something like 120 to 200 hours a year that the member could access at their at their choosing. 95% of our health plan members are setting up recurring schedules. So a Pow will come over, for example, Wednesdays from 9 to 12. Then you know if you have a specific need, that's ad hoc, like I have to go to the doctor or you know I have no groceries I need to go grocery shopping, or you know I really need someone to come over to teach me how to use Facebook. Uh, you could always set up ad hoc visits, but ninety five plus percent of our members are set up on recurring schedules.
0: What is the average number of hours is if there is one that you've
1: per visit about two and a half, three hours?
0: What's the average per week?
1: Average per week is about two to three hours. Usually, these members are getting it once a week. Uh, every month. So average member is doing eight to 12 hours a month.
0: It sounds a little bit like a, a Lyft or an Uber. Or I can, let's say if I, I have something that pops up or I, you know, I'm feeling lonely and I want someone to come over, can I just go on the app and say, hey, can you send a pop-up pal to me? And it may not be the same one that I've scheduled recurring, but I just want someone yes. else Is that. It it could work that way as well.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely an on-demand aspect. Most of our members don't need anything on demand per se, but generally, you know, a day or two in advance. If it's an emergency and they need something immediate, obviously, they should contact emergency services. But um, most of our visits are scheduled, you know, 24 to 48 hours in advance. And the member can request it at any time, you know, that they want it.
0: Who are your Papa Pals and what do they usually do?
1: Sure. Uh, so the pop pals are mostly college students. About 70% of them are in a healthcare field. So nursing, social worker, pre-med, you know, things like that. Um, you know, a lot of them want to go on to be leaders in healthcare, whether that be a, a clinical provider or work in healthcare administration. So it brings a lot of value to their resume. Uh, these are nice, fun, friendly, amazing, trustworthy, you know, young individuals. They go through a very, very strict process to become a pop pal. In fact, only... 10% of those that apply actually make it through the process so it's not easy by any means and we do have over 10,000 apply a month so it's a highly valued and interesting you know service for someone to join and provide to older adults in terms of what they're doing you know generally they're hanging out and helping out they'll take you to the doctor they'll go grocery shopping with you they'll teach you how to use an iphone they'll you know set up your uh, bluetooth speakers they'll maybe get you some new headphones they'll They'll play a game of Canasta. They'll look at you know old pictures. They'll also write down your life story. They'll do really anything that I really was doing for my grandfather. But when I became unavailable and my family did, we had to find an alternate solution. And that's where the concept of grandkids on demand comes into play because they really are, are just that. They are an extension to your family and you know representation of, of a grandchild.
0: What is the process for figuring out who makes it into being a Papa Pal?
1: It's a bunch of different data points and factors. It's essentially an algorithm that we've designed in a scorecard. Um, But generally speaking, it's a personality test. It's an online questionnaire. It's a background screening. It's a car uh, review and screening. It's a motor vehicle record. It's a social media scan. So it's super thorough. And then at the end, when you get through that, you go through digital and virtual training, as well as a virtual interview. And if you're able to get through all those processes, you'll be able to do your first PAPA visit. And then we do a phone uh, visit with you after your first visit to make sure it went well, get feedback both from you and the member. uh, And then, you know, of course, uh, you're able to start taking more visits after that.
0: Does the Papa Pal get rated by the customer?
1: They provide reviews, comments and responses. Most of our older adult members are talking to us over the phone. So we add that to the system. We actually have uh, made a decision as an organization, which I feel is the right one to not display reviews or ratings to our members. And the reason is if you're on the platform as a Papa pal, you're a five out of five. Uh, we are very strict and serious and you know we will remove people for little things. And uh, it's really important that the Pals are providing the most amazing experience at all times. And truthfully they are. I mean we've done a good job of selecting and you know, frankly people want to be nice to older people.
0: How many Papa pals do you have currently employed and how many customers are you serving now? And also, I was just wondering, where are you? What cities and states are you in?
1: So we have about 5,000 Papa Pals on the platform across 17 states. Uh, if you go to joinpapa.com slash locations, you can see the specifics. But you know, highlights are California, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, several other states. Just name a few off the top of my head. Uh, we'll be in uh, most of the major markets Uh, probably middle to end of this year. And we have, you know, a large number of members. We don't give the specifics on that data, though.
0: You know, the critical part of this is having this communications, customer service. I mean, the whole thing is a platform. And so I'm just wondering how central that platform is to your success and and your functioning.
1: Incredibly central. Right now I'm on a call with you talking about Papa as we're doing, you know, four to five hundred visits a day today all managed by the tech. Uh, we do have a care center, you know, who's talking to members on the phone, but they're leveraging our platform to track where the pals are, track the distances between the member and the pal, track what's being done while they're with the visit, getting custom communications out to the members and the pals and really collecting all of that data and sharing that with our customers being large health plans that want to know the impact that this is having on their membership.
0: When a customer or member gets into the car with a papa pal, there must be a waiver or something because uh, this is not a professional car service, right? This is not like a Lyft or Uber. This is just a college kid driving one of your customers around. So how do you work that out? I was just kind of wondering about that particular detail.
1: Yeah, so we have to go through a very strict process to make sure that there are safe drivers, have good records, have insurance. We provide insurance, similar process from a transportation perspective as Lyft and Uber. They're not using professional drivers. They're you know empowering the community and we do the same
0: are there things that your papa pals are instructed they can't do or shouldn't do? And I'm, I'm wondering, let's say if I was a papa pal and, you know, it's one thing to show, help me work my cell phone or or TV or something like that. It's another to say, you know, I need help with my finances sure, Um, or I need to make medical decisions. You know, I don't know what doctor to choose. And so there's a lot of it revolve around healthcare, actually a formal healthcare.
1: So we're not providing clinical services. We're not bathing. We're not toileting. We're not providing personal care. We're not, you know, clipping fingernails for that matter um, mostly we're hanging out and helping out and driving around and providing companionship if something does come out that you know isn't appropriate or you know doesn't fall within our purview we capture that information in our uh, in our mobile experience the pals do and then that'll get sent over to our team and if there's a requirement to escalate that we do that but uh, generally, those things aren't coming up too much, and you know what's nice is the things we don't want them to do—they're not going to do anywhere. You know, a college kid's not going to go out of their way to bathe an older adult, so it doesn't come up too often. But you know, we are, of course, always monitoring that, and we collect the data too because we do want to understand. You know, Papa started as a platform connecting older adults and college students, but at the end of the day, we have a unique—you know—tool that allows us to manage—you know—care in the home, and we can do a lot with that.
0: Now, you mentioned that. It's not just the older population. It might be, as you mentioned before, a woman who's going to give birth or just gave birth. And so are there, are there other segments of the population that you're targeting as well?
1: Yeah, so really, Papa actually just refreshed our brand. If you go to our website compared to two weeks ago, so joinpapa.com now is family on demand. We're still Papa, obviously. We you know, are primarily focused on older adults, but have realized the value of you know, a young, high-quality you know, great person who is controlled by a, a mobile experience and logistics tool called the Papa platform can bring value to other cohorts. And so we're just recently started offering our services as an employee benefit, um, still catering to the older adult, but now supporting family caregivers more so where if you're an employee, uh, as part of your employer benefit package, you can get access to Papa and request a Papa pal for your parents or for yourself. Uh, for example, Papa offers this to our own employees as a benefit. And one of our team members is uh, about to give birth in a couple of weeks and, you know, a papa pal takes her to her doctor appointments because uh, she can't drive and her husband, you know, is working. And so in rather than having to be work you know, for him and rather than her having to be stressed and you know, try to find other ways to get there, she's able to have a papa pal come with her, but stay with her, not just drop her off and say, good luck. And afterwards, you know, they could go get some food together. So we are developing programs to support mothers and fathers that need support with their families more so catered around Medicaid. Um, we are uh, developing programs as an employee benefit, uh, and of course Medicare Advantage and consumer.
0: How about things when the Papa Pal recognizes issues around? Let's say they go and and they're taking care of an older person, and they recognize there's there's not enough food in in, in the house or the apartment, and there's an issue around affordability of food or affordability of medication. Do you have a way to connect to? other social services uh, that address the social uh, determinants of health? you know Are you connected, for instance, to something like Aunt Bertha or h- how do you work that?
1: Uh, today, we will capture the information if uh, health plans are requesting that we find out whether or not the person is food insecure, for example, uh, and we'll take a photo. With appropriate permissions, we'll capture it in the mobile app and then back we'll go to the health plan. And then often the health plan is asking us in the next visit to let the member know that they have access to a meal program or a gym program or you know, whatever program. And so the Papa Pals in that case become more ambassadors. We have a couple of partnerships with organizations, but primarily the health plans are the ones telling us what they want us to direct the members to.
0: Are most of your clients coming through health plans as opposed to direct to consumer?
1: Uh, most of our clients are coming through health plans.
0: Do you see that changing?
1: Uh, no, I believe that will always be the majority for a while, at least.
0: Because this way, it's not the individual that is actually paying for it. It's actually the health plan?
1: Correct. About 20% of our business is consumer. About 80% is health plan. Over time, I think employer benefits will be a very big portion as well, which generally over time will also come through the health plans because they do have Medicare, Medicaid, you know, as well as commercial benefits. So, yeah, I think health plans will always be a big portion of our business.
0: Do you have a vision for what this might look like three to five years from now?
1: Yeah, I think we're building a health system in the cloud where right now we're delivering companionship. I don't think we'll provide home care. I don't think we'll provide home health, but probably other services. I can't specifically to that at this point, but um, definitely keep you updated. Uh, As we progress, we do feel we have a great opportunity to capture a large audience and support them in many ways beyond just companionship, which is our definite huge focus right now.
0: What thoughts do you have about where the healthcare market's going and and where the industry is going and how you all fit into that?
1: Yeah, I think organizations and healthcare in general are thinking about how to support people in the most efficient, cost-effective, and high-quality way. Oftentimes that's in person, but more so in person in the facility, but more so it's most appropriate to be in the home, whether that be with a physical person or a person from a distance. And so just as I thought about it, if you could kind of imagine I went from a virtual telehealth company to an in-person companionship company over time, I think there's a way to build a good symbiosis between the two concepts. Uh, and we're doing it in small ways already with our product, which is, you know, distance visits, which may be not necessarily an in-person visit, but a phone call with a team member is really helpful. You know, I know when I call my grandmother, she gets so excited. It definitely keeps her happy for at least a few hours, if not more. And it's just a simple phone call. And, and when you do that, you find a lot about a person and you also can then, you know, send someone into the home. So being able to support people both, both virtually uh, and in person, uh, I think, generally speaking, across healthcare is going to be super critical. Um, and, you know, we saw it happen with telehealth, and I think, you know, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all, but that's kind of where it's going.
0: Do uh, customers or members call the Papa Pal, or do they have the option of calling the Papa Pal in between the formal, uh, you know, in-home visits?
1: They do, uh, for sure, and it is happening. We're trying to figure out how to kind of operationalize that a little bit better. Um, it's happening somewhat organically through the app, of course, in a secure way. And the pals are pretty happy to be responsive. Um, So right now it is happening, and I think it's a big component of what we do. Always before a visit, a Papa pal is, you know, pushed to call a member, let them know they're coming, find out any additional things they may need for that visit. Uh, But because most of the visits are recurring, they typically don't have to call each other too much after the first visit because they just wait for them to come to the house.
0: Could you say a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you are tracking and measuring, as you're doing this, and then you know if you can speak a little bit to you know what kind of studies you're you're planning or you're engaged in right now.
1: Yeah. So overall, we want to see if we're reducing loneliness. We do a UCLA loneliness assessment. So that's been pretty much uh, a solid yes, and it's been quite proven at this point. We want to prove that we reduce unhealthy days, which is a a CDC term to determine from your own perspective, how many of the last 30 days did you feel physically unwell? And then how many of the last 30 days did you feel mentally unwell? Um, so we're trying to have a big impact there. And you know, we were represented in Humana's bold goal uh, report in 2018, sorry, and then also in 2019, and we will also be in 2020. And so seeing huge impact there. And so that's some of the upfront stuff. We're also trying to prove that we increase membership, we increase retention. You know, People say things like, I was going to leave a health plan if you know, they were going to get rid of Papa. So there's some stickiness of that. And then on the back end, we want to show that we're reducing ED visits. Uh, this is really where the study comes into play. Uh, we're reducing readmission, we're improving medication adherence. And we'd like to show over time, of course, and we do believe we are, that we're improving You know, things like star ratings, because we do have this person who becomes the eyes and ears of a health plan. That's able to capture things that otherwise wouldn't necessarily come up, you know, in your doctor visit.
0: What are you most excited about or and and I would say excited and proud about in your work?
1: Yeah. We're very excited about it all. I mean, it definitely feels surreal, you know, to start a company that starts to work. Um, it wasn't an overnight success by any means. It's been a long time coming. I like to think of Papa as two and a half years old, but really twelve and a half years old, you know, from the beginning of when I started MD Live. So we, we learned a lot throughout that process. The thing I'm most proud of is the impact we're making on both older adults and college students, not one more than the other. It's very evident. Every week uh, we have, you know, kind of a customer highlight meeting where we go into the goods and bads, but most of it is good. The bads are typically something kind of cute, like a member didn't like the way the Papa Pal, you know, trimmed their uh, flowers in their house or something like that. But for the most part, they're very happy and it's really changing their lives. We. I uh, had a member yesterday say that they wish they could win the lotto so they could get a papa palette every day. To hear that from an older person, it really hits you. Or you know, even more seriously, to hear a member say, and we're not guiding them not to take medicine, but to have them provide a testimonial that says, you know, I stopped taking Xanax and I don't feel I have to go to my therapist anymore because I feel confident about, you know, my, my main issue was I was just alone. I needed someone to be a f- friend. I'm very proud of that.
0: What was one mm, discovery, I, w- I was going to say one failure or mistake, but more interested in something that you were surprised at, something that you learned along the way that you didn't anticipate or didn't expect?
1: With with Papa, the thing that was most uh, shocking to me was the fact that most of our members, even on the consumer side today, are actually the senior themselves calling Papa, not using our mobile app. That would have super surprised me, but really the fact that they feel empowered. And I think people talk about independence. And of course everyone wants independence, but you're not that independent if you need all of your grandchildren to, you know, call you a car service. But if you can be empowered with a phone number and call that organization, you know, in this case Papa and say, hey, I need to go to the doctor. And I'd really like to you know, set up my Facebook profile page, um, and actually, I want to LinkedIn because I want to get a side job uh, or a real job. And so, to be able to provide older adults with true independence, I think is the most shocking thing to me. Where they're the ones requesting the service on their on their own. We're providing them with what they need, uh, not just supporting their their young adult children.
0: How do you think what you're doing is really kind of reorienting healthcare? Is kind of like turning it around in a different way? What what do you think the transformation here is that you've, uh, I would say, introduced?
1: Yeah, I think it's just pretty amazing how positively responsive large health plans have been to, you know, having a college student go help an older adult to drive healthcare value. Um, I think that timing is perfect for this type of a thing to occur, where you know people are willing to get into the back of a random person's car, you know, albeit a Uber, and they're willing to get into an Airbnb, and they're, you know, willing to do things that would have been definitely uh, kind of taboo or strange, you know, 15 years ago, or even as little as 10 years ago. And so I think we're starting to do that with healthcare and recognizing that, you know, for someone to be able to provide positive impact on someone's health, they don't have to be a nurse. Though nurses are incredibly important, but there's a shortage of nurses, there's a shortage of caregivers. So you can only take much from that category. And so rather than trying to do too much with those, uh, you know, kind of people, which definitely is a critical component of healthcare, let's think about a new way to empower people that are amazing. I mean, there's 20 million college students. They're going to, in a very short period of time, you know, be your colleagues and coworkers and possibly be your nurse and doctor. Uh, why not empower them now with something that is something they're great at, which is being a, a companion, being a friend, being a human.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's remarkable. I mean, one of the challenges in healthcare, you know, we stay in our lane and on our, our legacy way of thinking, you know, we say, well, we need more doctors, we need more nurses, we need more, you know, uh, social workers, we need more community health workers. And you've expanded the healthcare work- workforce by 20 million, you know, right, with a new and different idea. And you know, it's funny because I was just talking to some colleagues about this today, the idea that the most powerful disruption in healthcare is the person or the patient themselves. What do you think about that? Why do you agree with that? Kind of curious from your perspective.
1: Well, I think patients have a lot of needs and it's not always pricking them with a needle. And so to be able to expand upon that and manage resources better, you still need nurses, of course, but it's overnight, we're not going to have 20 million more nurses. And so you got to think about different ways to empower people and, you know, and doing that leveraging technology. Without technology, we wouldn't be able to do this and, you know, to make sure that the pals are not doing those things that they shouldn't be doing, but ensuring that they're able to, you know, guide others by capturing information and then systematically getting that over to the nurse. So now a nurse who has historically been going into a, you know, in-home setting and kind of being a papa pal and only doing the nurse job 10% of the time can now do the nurse job 100% of the time and, you know, provide that, you know, kind of lower end, non-skilled tasks over to us.
0: That's really quite brilliant to put it that way. Um, Thank it allows you. no, it's really good because it allows professionals to actually do professional work.
1: Or as they say in healthcare, operate at the top of your license.
0: That's exactly what they say. Um, you know, the other thing about it, you know, again, you know, and you have the the data now. You're collecting the data and you're studying it. That people's moods are better they feel less alone they're less depressed and it's manifesting itself in better health outcomes you know more healthy days as you were saying before and so you know it's a it's a radically different solution than the one that would have been created in the sort of medical you know legacy clinical care mindset don't you think
1: no i do 100% it's funny you say that i talk to my team all the time about that we're really unique so i'm 32 years old i grew up you know, kind of with tech as as my, my brother and sister. And it was there as I was little, it kind of progressed perfectly. And, you know, you would think of where we are today, you could have seen when I was little. Um, but that allowed me to, you know, get into a career where I started to understand startups and platforms and technology and really have this Silicon Valley type of a mindset. But on the flip side, I also worked deeply in healthcare at a very young age, where I was working with healthcare executives at the large health systems and health plans and you know employers in the country to support their their patients. And I got this quite unique experience where I kind of had both this gig economy, Uber-like, you know, uh, vibe going on, but I also had this deep-rooted healthcare vibe going on. And I think you know, to my earlier point about my life and my father and my career and you know, what I've been able to learn that way, I think a big pon- component here is that I am kind of in between, you know legacy healthcare and new age startup you know, tech. And that's really helped us to think about this in a way that, frankly, others wouldn't. Most are saying, let's take technology and improve the workforce that exists today, which, by the way, is super important and has to be done and is being done. But also, no one, I don't think, thought, let's create a whole new provider category. And that's where I think we're really being successful.
0: You know, people talk about technology and social media and digital uh, making us less human, dehumanizing us. And Papa is such a, and and the work you're doing is such a great example of how it's exactly opposite that, you know, the technology, the platform you've created has enabled at scale, right? I mean, yes, could you have done it without technology? Yes. But, you know, what would you be using to run it and manage it and coordinate it and all the communication and the follow-up and the testing and all the information you're getting and, and then the analytics that you can do off of that and, I mean, none of that would be possible. I mean, you wouldn't, you couldn't do. I don't think you could do what you're doing unless we had the technology,
1: right? You can make a small local community version of it, which essentially, like Big Brother, Big Sister, is like a pseudo version of what we're doing. Um, you know, it's funny. I think about what Alexis Ohanian, who is one of our uh, early investors and uh, such a great partner of ours, and you know, he founded Reddit and. He's an amazing individual, but he loves talking about the fact that Papa is robot-proof, <laughs> um, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, where you know, robots don't do a great job at being sympathetic or empathetic, in certain cases, they, you know, are, are task uh, managers. And in this case, you really need that human component, but the technology enables that human component to occur in a scalable way.
0: Right. Oh, that's amazing. Well. Is there something we haven't touched upon, or do you have some sort of message you'd, you'd like to leave our listeners with today?
1: Yeah, just that I'm very excited about the fact that human connection is improving healthcare. I'd like to think of Papa as the prescription alone in loneliness and a, a medicine that has literally zero side effects. Um, and we're trying to open up our solution to support. Uh, quite successfully, you know, health plans with their Medicare members, Medicaid members and employers as a benefit as well as consumers. And so would love to uh, just continue down that path and support people across America and one day across the globe. So I really appreciate the uh, interview today.
0: Andrew, I, I can't tell you just how exciting uh, and inspiring it is to talk to you. And I, I hope we have a chance to engage further in the future. Thank you. Folks, so that was the interview I recently conducted with Andrew Parker, the founder and CEO of PAPA. I just want to thank our guest, Andrew Parker, for being a part of creating new healthcare and bringing us his fresh perspectives and his new ideas in in our quest to advance a sustainable value-based, consumer-oriented healthcare system. There are so many facets of this interview that I believe are instructive for healthcare today. I am curious as to what stands out for you, so please take a moment, go online on LinkedIn or Twitter, when my social media graphic comes out, please comment on what lessons you believe we can adopt uh, into healthcare from Andrew Parker's approach with Papa. There are so many things that stand out for me. I I just want to mention a couple. The first is the fact that we are struggling with capacity and access and the limited number of doctors and nurses and healthcare workers. And here it is, Andrew has tapped into literally tens of millions of college aid students out there and has greatly expanded the healthcare workforce, which I, again, I think is such a simple and elegant solution. And secondly, I I think this this approach uh, is so empowering and enabling of seniors, allowing them to live independently, allowing them to do for themselves. I I think it is so respectful of the elderly and it creates such a sense of dignity. Uh, And again, folks, I, I am so interested to hear your thoughts on this episode. So when the social media graphic comes out, please comment on LinkedIn and Twitter. And as I do every episode, I'd like to thank all of you out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients or supporting those who are taking care of patients. I, and we truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society. And as always, I hope you've benefited from this podcast episode as much as I have my goal is to provide you with useful information as well as encouragement and inspiration and to serve as a catalyst for reframing and transforming our healthcare system. This is Zev Neuwirth on Creating a New Healthcare. Until next time, be well.